Shalom and good morning. Welcome to our new conversation. First of all, I would like to thank our friends that participated yesterday the biblical Hebrew session. It was joyful meeting, a deductive one, and thank you for taking part of it. As a continuity to the session yesterday, I would like to read with you Genesis 6, verses 1 to 4. First, I shall read the verse in Hebrew and then in English. And then we shall discuss the idea which is uh, perceived in this verse in general. Because the Bible, I always have to uh, make this forward and say that the Bible do not speak about historical matters or geographical matters or um, any kind of physical dimension. The Bible speaks about ideas and qualities and images and myths. And what happens is most of the time when the Bible was was first tr translated to Greek and then to other languages. It was uh, translated in a literal way. People could not understand the myth or the image behind the words and the letters and a consequence of this uh, degradation of man perception led to a translation of the Bible into Greek. If you first, if if this is the first time you hear um, this idea. You might be uh, rage because in a way there is, uh, I imply that the Bible which was first translated to Greek is a lower version of the Hebrew. You can, you can disagree with me, this is okay, but the fact that already the Bible, the Hebrew letters, had to find their meaning in Greek, it means the, the Bible went down one step because it was not image anymore. It was something physical and concrete. And you can imagine what happens once the Greek version was translated to other languages in the past. So to every language that the Bible is translated to, it will be a problematic translation. Why? Because it will be part of it will be literal and this is not the meaning. 
in a way, we can look at it in terms of images that the Bible is the tree of life, describes the tree of life and all the other translations. It doesn't matter to which language are the tree of knowledge, which is sometimes good and sometimes bad. Some, sometimes the translation catch it and sometimes not. So if you want to get closer to the tree of life and we want to read the Bible ourselves and to see beyond the letter and beyond the images, we have to know the Hebrew letters. In this way, no, nor, uh, no intermediate can come between us and the, the text and the letters and God and, and try to sell us a business. Because the intention is that there will be always a direct connection between a person, a human being, and the source. And the Hebrew letters are a key point in this relation. Does it mean that now I have to buy the whole books that teaches us that teach us Hebrew letters? No, not necessarily. First, we have to listen to those ideas and get um, get familiar with them and become friends with them because it's more of a perception, an idea, um, a qualitative looking at things, abstract, I would say. Uh, a beautiful way to look at the Bible is to see through the letter an image of a number. While the number is is not just uh, a quantitative uh, figure, but also a qualitative figure. For instance, the letter Aleph, which is the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet, is symbolized by the number one, which stands always for unity. Or the letter Bet, which is the second letter of the Hebrew alphabet, stands for multiplication. This is why the Bible starts with the word Bereshit, the letter Bet, our world, creation, starts with the duality. This is very, very important guideline we should take into consideration when we read the Bible in Hebrew. I hope more and more of you could come and join our lessons and sessions and get familiar with this idea and not be afraid from the Bible or from the Hebrew letters because during time, so the course of time, a lot of distance had come between humans and the Hebrew letters. So what I ask from you is not to be afraid and join us and get familiar with this idea and not be afraid of it because it's so beautiful and it's nice and it's comforting and it's relieving. And, and most of all, it, it gives a person a lot of peace to connect to those ideas, to those letters. 
Now we shall read the first verse of Genesis chapter 6 and translate it into English. In places when the English translation does not follow the Hebrew idea, I will correct it. Pasuk Aleph, verse 1. Vayhi ki hechel ha'adam larov al pnei ha'adama uvanot yuldu lahem And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them. The Hebrew verse starts with the letter Vav. As we said before, the letter Vav has a double function. The letter Vav either connects to the tree of life or disconnect and goes to the development, to the tree of knowledge, good and bad. In this case, we can wonder, what is the function of the letter Vav? Does it connect? Does it negate? Does it separate? Does it distinguish the content, the ideas, humans from God? Let's see. ויהי כי החל האדם לרוב על פני האדמה. Already we see the dissonance between the Hebrew and the English translation. Here it says האדם. And, and the English uh, translation says when man. So אדם, as we said before, אדם is our humans in general. And here, the English translation already misleading people by, by saying men multiply. And there was a question how, since people read the English translation, how can a man multiply? Do you put him under a copy machine and you create thousands of, of one man? So, you see, this is a problematic uh, translation. But we shall return to the Hebrew because the Hebrew is the source. Vayhi ki hechel ha'adam larov al pnei ha'adama. And it was that the mankind, ha'adam, the humanity, started multiply on the face of the earth. But here we can see another mistake in English. Because... The English translate Adama as earth. But in Hebrew it's different. We have Adam, Aleph, Dalit, Mem. And we have Adama, ground or land, also earth. In the letters Aleph, Dalit, Mem, Hey. So the only difference between Adam and Adama is the letter He at the end of the word Adama. So only looking at those two words, Adam, Adama, we see the multiplication happening because once we see the letter He, The letter He is always 
like a mother. Five, the little fire, like we saw in Isha, Ish Isha. We can see already, already the relation between Adam and Adama, the letter Hey, and we see the ability to conceive life. Uvanot yuldulahem, and daughters were born unto them. What does it mean, banot? Daughters? Does the Bible deals or discuss gender topics? Not really. Banot are daughters. A singular one is bat. The word bat we write with the letter bet and the letter tav. The letter bet equals two and the letter tav equals 400. So already in the word bat, we see a startup with duality, the letter bet, that reaches to the maximum development in time, which is expressed in the letter tav, tav or the number 400. So in a way, this verse describes how humanity multiple by the effect of the duality, doubleness, banot, bed, tough, two, four hundred. And then we have expansion of humanity. Another expression of the word daughters, banot, we find later on in the Bible when David dealt with many wars, King David. And in one of the wars that he had, uh, he captured the city of uh, Bat Amon. Today we know this name from the land of Jordan. But the Bible describes that he catched the city, he caught the city and its daughters, Vailkod et ha'ir uvnoteha. What does it mean? The city is the center, and bnoteha, the daughters, are the extensions of the city, like suburbs, like hills next to the city, like any kind of human extension to the structure of city. So whenever we, also in economy, we find this uh, term, banot, daughters, when we hear about successful company and the extension of a successful uh, company is daughter. Daughter are daughter's companies, meaning a lot of fruitful, a lot of extension, a lot of money, a lot of income. So this is a description. It's not about physical uh, people so much or gender issue, but this is the way of the Bible to, dis to describe huge or immense development. Now we move to verse 2 or 
פסוק ב' ויראו בני האלוהים את בנות האדם כי טובות הנה ויקחו להם נשים מכל אשר בחרו. Now the English translation and the sons of God saw the daughters of humans because they were good and they took to themselves women whomsoever they chose. This is a very interesting verse because the first remark that we, we heard yesterday was who are the sons of God? And I offered one of the Rashi um, explanations that people that think they are as big as God, they're like ministers of our times or president, they think they're very strong, they think they will live forever, they think, they, they think they, that they can do whatever they like. So they take the daughters, the human daughters, not just again as gender issue, but any kinds of holding, as they take any kind of development to themselves, like nationalize it. And they pick up like... Not just the women in terms of gender, but any kind of progress, of goodness. And now we move to verse 3. פסוק גימל ויאמר השם לא ידון רוחי ואדם לעולם בשגם הוא בשר והיו ימיו מאה ועשרים שנה. English translation, and the Lord said, My spirit shall not judge the human forever, for he is also flesh, therefore his days will be 120 years. This is a very, very interesting idea. Like the Lord look how human behave on earth, And he says, "My spirit cannot judge a human being which is made out of flesh." And there is a conclusion here in in the verse, and his days, therefore his days will be one hundred and twenty years. So the question is, was God sad or mad about human being and term his life like? In a sentence at court for 120 years, because as we know, the 10 generations from Adam to Noah, they lived hundreds of years, 800, 900, 600. And suddenly there is, there is a terminus, there is a cutting. So did God had a bad mood? Was he angry at humans? No. This is a completely different idea. The spirit has nothing to do with the flesh or the form. Judgment, in a way, is a meeting point. When God says, 
ושגם הוא בשר, because he's flesh, I will not judge him, because I don't have any meeting point with the flesh. God is spirit, which is hovering over the water. He has to do nothing with the flesh. This is why his spirit can never judge the flesh, because they have nothing to do with each other. This is why the life of the flesh, not of the spirit, the life of the flesh is termed to be 120 years. Why this number? Why 120 years? And we have to go back to the word Elohim, which we saw in the second verse. The word Elohim is God. is written in five letters, Aleph, Lamed, He, Yod, Mem. From those five letters, says Sefer Yetzirah, we can combine 120 possibilities. Like when we want to open a safe and we have a combination of five numbers. If we have to hack And we don't know what is the code of the safe. From five numbers, any burglar <laughs> will tell you we have only 120 options or combinations. So what is the relation between the word Elohim and 120 years? Elohim is the way... The Lord is revealed to us, the name in the form. Elohim has the same value like Hateva, nature. So the word Elohim is the revealed form of the spirit. And from this revealed form, we can create 120 combinations of form. Behind 120, we are above the form. So, when I was a kid, I was always wondering about this blessing. Why do they bless people to live until 120 years? Why do they don't bless them to, to live longer? Why is this judgment specifically on birthday? So the, the answer is that people wish people to live until 120 years because this is all the combinations of or the expressions in a form. Beyond this, there is no form. There is no material. So I think I will stop here. Have a good day and beautiful week. It was pleasant to speak to you today. And I'm looking forward... for the next meeting.